This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hello, and welcome to East Lansing Insider, a podcast brought to you by Impact Radio and East Lansing Info. My name is Emily Joan Elliott, and I'm the managing editor for Eli, and I'm joined today by Heather Brothers, one of our reporters who focuses on issues of policing. How are you today, Heather? I am pretty good, hoping for the fall weather to finally be here. Yeah, it looks like it might finally be here. Um, (laughs) So Heather and I went to city council together on Tuesday evening, and we wanted to give you a bit of a update of what happened. Policing became the big discussion, and we'll get to that in just a minute, but I wanted to provide our listeners with some other updates. Lisa Babcock reminded everyone about her town hall and listening session about flooding, which will have already occurred by the time this podcast goes live, but it'll be available on Zoom, and we will push that A recorded version will be available and we'll push that out once it's available. Uh, There was some conversation because last week the elementary schools in the school district decided that they were no longer going to celebrate Halloween and Valentine's Day in school. There was a lot of pushback against that decision, which was made by administrators in the school district, but people reached out to city council members and city staff with abusive messages about the decision. So there was a call to treat everyone with civility and also gently pointing out that the city had zero play in that decision. In terms of what council passed, they officially prohibited now hair-based discrimination by linking different various hairstyles to race and made that for employers and those doing business in East Lansing. You can no longer discriminate Um, based on hairstyles. We have a report about that out and you could see that on our website. And then there's also a slight raise is going to go into effect for the mayor and city council. And as we reported on our website, there was some discussion that pretty much this is what council and the mayor received is not real compensation. It's kind of a bonus for volunteer work is more or less how they put it. But Heather and I went to the meeting thinking the big story might be about data and prosecution. So do you want to tell us a little bit about Mm -hmm. that conversation, which wound up not being the big story? Sure, sure. So uh, this past Tuesday, council invited um, the assistant city attorney, Robert Easterly, to discuss how data is captured in the court system of East Lansing. And... um, through discussion with council, they kind of wanted to see, you know, like who is being charged in East Lansing? How are they being sentenced? That kind of data and like the demographics, right? Age, race, gender of the people who are interacting with the court system. So they brought the assistant city attorney on to kind of speak to some of this data. And what they were told is essentially some of this data does exist in the files that the court keeps. However, it is currently not being tracked or um, certain categories aren't being tracked like race and gender. So potentially the data is mineable, as Easterly said. So someone could go in and, you know, um, collect it and analyze it. However, it's going to take, you know, labor power and some money to do that. 
So pretty much I feel like the discussion, you know, kind of uh, was open-ended and ended with uh, it's going to be an ongoing thing that the city manager mentioned that he's going to look into it and it's going to keep coming up in council. So I hope it does. I hope we get this data. Right. It's something we'll continue to report on. And I found Dana Watts in the Mayor Pro Tem's comments really powerful. In her day job, she works for Ingham County. And she said, in her field of work, you can't just say, oh, well, we don't have the data. We actually can't tell you how many lives we've impacted. And was were they men or women? Were they black or white? So she really just was blown away that we weren't recording this data. Right. Because um, in any other fields you would have, or maybe not any other, but in many other fields, you would have to know this information and report back on it. Right. And, uh, you know, Watson made the point too. It's like um, a lot of the discussion around the court systems and policing in East Lansing is centered around, you know, racial discrimination. And so this seems like something that we should be tracking because in her experience and from anecdotal stories, you know, the court system is targeting, you know, black and brown people the most. And she brought up some of the other policing data that has been uh, made public over the last year or so, right, that proves that the police, you know, are there's definitely a problem with targeting, uh, you know, black folks in East Lansing. So I, she made some really good points here about why this data is important. So I really hope they do continue these conversations to get it. Right. She referred to what had prior to the study group on an independent police oversight commission, black residents and visitors in East Lansing felt they were disproportionately pulled over. And when the data finally came out, that was the truth. It was validated. And I know she made the point too, once that information is there, then you can begin to solve the problem. Right. We'll see what happens with this. Um, But I hope, depending on what council looks like after the elections, too, that the people who are there for the next meeting continue to push for this data capture. Right. We should point out that this council meeting that Heather and I are talking about that took place on the evening of October 19th will most likely be the last meeting of the council as it currently is. Only Jesse Gregg and Lisa Babcock are not up for re-election. You have Shauna Dreheim was only appointed to fill the vacancy left by Aaron Stevens for three months. And Ron Bacon and Dana Watson were appointed to feel, fill the vacancies left by Mark Meadows and Ruth Bayer. Uh, they're all up for, or Shauna's not running for re-election, Ron and Dana are, it's, you could see our voter guide on our website at eastlansinginfo.news, but the next meeting is after the election, so it might be a very different council. We have no idea. But I think now, Heather, maybe we'll move on to the big story, which was a contract with the Command Officer Association of Michigan, which represents 11 sergeants and lieutenants in the East Lansing Police Department. It was initially on the consent agenda. And for those of you who maybe aren't up on how council agendas work, the consent agenda is just something council approves. They vote on a whole list of things. And I think the last meeting, there were about nine on it. Mm -hmm. You don't discuss anything on the consent agenda. If you want to discuss it, you have to move it to the business agenda. So that's what happened with this contract. 
Lisa Babcock wanted it moved to the discussion agenda. And can you tell us a bit about why she wanted it on the disc or the business agenda, I should say? Sure. So um, her, so she made a bunch of different points about this, but in general, I think Babcock wanted it moved because of the discussions that have been centering around policing often, she feels, go back to the, the labor contracts and how they are kind of a wall that prevents change to policing. And this is a labor contract that is coming up. And so she thought, hey, I think council should discuss it right before we just approve it. Because there were certain things that she felt were missing from it, too. Like, for example, she mentioned the fact that it doesn't bar uh, commanding officers from participating in known hate groups, which she thought was kind of a basic thing that should be in there, and it wasn't. So the contract itself gives the commanding officers raises, and it also kind of outlines the parameters of behavior, but not what discipline will look like necessarily. So there were certain things that she, you know, wanted to discuss before they just approved this contract. Right. And if I recall correctly, Lisa Babcock had said that the contract included the evaluation forms that Mm -hmm. the commanding officers would have for their evaluations. And I guess the lowest thing that you could receive was needs improvement. Yes. And that also <laughs> didn't sit particularly well uh, with Lisa either. So we should say that this contract ultimately did pass. Mm-hmm. So can you outline what the other council members' positions were, being it was a four to one vote where the other four members voted for the contract with only Lisa Babcock voting against? Yeah. So, I mean, it was a pretty interesting discussion, even from the time where Babcock requested that, you know, the item was moved Mm. to the business agenda because the mayor voted against that. Right. And her reasoning. So Mayor Jesse Gregg's reasoning was, you know, that this has been this contract had been negotiated, in her opinion, in good faith between the city and between uh, the police union and that a lot of staff had put Uh, time and effort into making a deal that everyone seemed to agree with and that they should pass it uh, based on that, right? Because she said, you know, it dishonors the work that all the staff put in. But ultimately, it did get moved to the business agenda where the discussion continued uh, later in the evening. And the mayor continued her stance of, you know, she didn't think that it was uh, fair what Babcock was saying that, you know, East Lansing hasn't done anything with policing. And she said that she felt East Lansing has been focusing on changing policy, not contracts. So she was against tabling the matter until a later date. She wanted to approve it tonight. Shanna Draheim agreed with her. And a lot of the, so the other council did echo, you know, the importance of the staff work and how, how much work went into everything too. Yeah, so I think we should also highlight maybe the context of why Councilmember Babcock did want to have this conversation. Issues of policing have been a hot topic in East Lansing for probably the last year and a half or two years, or as Lisa Babcock put it, her entire tenure on council. Mm -hmm. She referred to some of those incidents kind of opaquely. At the meeting, um, and some of them Eli has reported on. And if you search um, East Lansing Policing on our website, you'll find a landing page with all of our policing articles. And 
her kind of argument was, we know that what we hope is unthinkable can happen and we want to have parameters to stop it from happening. But yeah. the contract ultimately did pass. And I know Lisa Babcock made a point too. She was concerned that if they pass this contract, council or future councils would find itself in a position where they would then have to approve an upcoming contract for police officers who aren't command officers because they would say, well, this is the policy for the command officers. We have to have similar treatments and protocols as well. There was also a kind of a back and forth exchange about when is the appropriate time to discuss, but council had discussed what they wanted to see in the contract and council member Babcock felt that that contract didn't meet everything council said it wanted to say. Yeah, so there was some disagreement about whether it did because the city manager and the mayor thought that it did. Right. And she thought that it didn't. And she did make a point of saying, you know, like the people of East Lansing have wanted this kind of change and we are standing up for them. And Babcock thought that, you know, this they would likely lose if they disapproved the contract and it went back to arbitration that they would likely lose this to the police union but she thought it did that didn't really matter what mattered was kind of taking this stance that they wanted change right that she said sometimes it's right to lose right and sometimes it's right to stand alone right you know, to do what's right and um you know the mayor was like i'm not willing to take a stand on something that i feel confident we're going to lose you know, and that might endanger this agreement as a whole, right, if they go to arbitration. And so, and I think uh, we didn't mention some of what other council members said. So uh, Dana Watson and Ron Bacon also uh, made some, I think, salient points that were more nuanced than just saying, um, you know, staff did a great job. Right. Uh, (laughs) So, um, you know, Ron Bacon highlighted the, the national context, right, and that there's heightened scrutiny on police nationwide right now. And so he said, you know, it would kind of be stupid for police officers to overstep at this point because the public's watching, the nation's watching, you know. And he said, um, if there are bad police, bad actors that, you know, you could throw every rule in the rule book at them and they're still not going to, they're not going to follow them. Right. At this point. So it's kind of like we're all watching anyways. And then uh, Dana Watson pointed out that the contract is up in 2023 <laughs> um, <laughs> that they approved. And also the, the newly formed oversight commission, you know, will hopefully help council start to uh, make some of the changes to policing that they, you know, they're going to do some work on this and come up with ideas. And so hopefully council will listen to them and they can help make those changes before the next contract. Right. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about the Independent Police Oversight Commission? I understand that they'll begin meeting in November. So over the summer, there was the official vote to establish and the members were appointed Mm -hmm. um, recently, I think in the beginning of October. So can you tell us a bit about the process um, the members had to go through to wind up being appointed to this commission? Sure. So uh, 39 people applied to be on the commission and 37 were interviewed and 11 were chosen. So they, uh, in the application to be on this commission, things were stated like they wanted the uh, commission to reflect the city's diverse population in terms of 
race, income, age, gender, disability, sexual orientation, gender expression. So they had these parameters. They also wanted people specifically who have had negative interactions with the police or have been marginalized in the community. And uh, they wanted two people who were social workers or psychologists and even people that lived outside of East Lansing, which they did get. So we reported, yeah, last, earlier this month, on the 11 people that were appointed, and we also got to see all of the applications for the 39 people who applied too. And um, I, in my opinion, they've met the parameters that they set out. Um, right. So, I mean, the one, like, for, they definitely have, you know, the a right amount of social workers and psychologists on here too. But I really think that they did a good job appointing uh, a diverse panel a diverse commission here. And not everyone on their applications volunteered information about their race or gender or orientation, um, but most did. A lot of people did in this group speak about their negative interactions with the police based on their identities, negative interactions their family members had had. So they really did choose people that I think have something to say about the police here. So we'll see how it goes when they first meet. Um, but I think that they did a good job out of the application pool they had. Right. So over the summer, when we knew the applications were in, we filed a Freedom of Information Act or FOIA request to see all the applications. And I think Heather reported broadly on that. And then when we knew the 11 people appointed, Heather was able to go and find out more. So I know... As Heather pointed out, we can't necessarily say if all the identities outlined that the city wanted to include were met, but it does, they met what they legally established for themselves. And it does seem to be a well-rounded group based on what Heather has seen and reported. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they also chose two people from, uh, that served on the study committee, you know, that um, right did all the research to set this oversight commission, which I thought you know, is probably a good idea because they have people who, you know, were there for every single meeting of the the study committee. So know all the kind of background research and uh, year of work that went into this establishing. So they're preserving that by having a few of those people on the commission. Right. These are the kind of the archit architects of the commission. So they'll be there to kind of guide the process at first and make it what they hoped it would be, mm -hmm. I'm assuming was the idea. Definitely. Well, I think it's time for us maybe to just provide a basic news roundup of what we have on our website this week. So we had an Ask Eli come in that just went out this morning. And there was a question that I just found really interesting. It was one that I just didn't think existed in 2021, which was about door-to-door -door salespeople. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I We had a reader write in concerned. Um, so I guess it was less of a question, more so him pointing out an issue he saw, was there was someone masquerading, I suppose, as a consumer's energy employee and asking about billing information and the reader wrote in asking, could we push out information about how to protect yourself? Because uh, it did turn out that this man was not who he presented himself to be. And often it's sometimes the elderly might fall prey to this. So we did put out information about that. And there's actually only two groups licensed to be peddlers in East Lansing, or I think it 
might be commercial business. And then there are some activist groups that are allowed to go around as well. But if someone comes to your door in East Lansing, they do actually need to have a peddler's license and they should be able to produce it for you. Yeah, um, that's that's interesting that there are only two. And it, I mean, it is interesting that this has come up in the during the pandemic, right? Where anyone coming to your door now, it's kind of a little instead of just being annoyed that someone's at your door in general, it's kind of like, oh no, like there's a pandemic going on. Do I want to answer? Right. Like that kind of anxiety <laughs> is definitely right. there where it wasn't before. Yeah. It is a new form of anxiety for sure. We also have up a profile on Irene Cahill who was appointed to the Ingham County board of commissioners to replace Erin Graham. Irene Cahill I liked her story because she's also from the Bronx, New York, where I grew up. And she became interested in agriculture and actually went to an agricultural high school in Queens, or she went to a high school that had an agricultural program. She works doing forestry for the city of Lansing, and she is the newest county commissioner for um, a significant portion of East Lansing, not the entire city, though. Mark Rebner is the other county commissioner. Heather, do you have a favorite story we've pushed out in the last week? I'm trying to remember um, what we pushed out because I should because I proved them. (laughs) Right. We should also let our listeners know that the MSU Museum, um, which is across from the library, has 15 new exhibits that are all about surveillance and tracking and tracing. And I'm a big fan of the lead image, which is a bunch of eyeballs kind of creepily watching everyone. Definitely. And then the other big news from last council meeting, but we only published on it this week in the lead up to the council meeting that happened on Tuesday was about the federal COVID relief money that the city of East Lansing has received. Um, So the city of East Lansing will receive $12 million in federal COVID money. It's already received a direct deposit, I believe, of the first half Mm -hmm. in May, and it'll receive the next installment in May 2022. So the city manager, George Lahanis, put out a brief overview, a draft plan is what it was officially called, of how those funds might be spent. And it's not set in stone, and I know that um, the city is going to solicit community feedback. So I put that out there to listeners. If you are interested in how the COVID money will be spent, you can provide feedback to the city. Some ideas pitched were renovations to City Hall, the Hanna Community Center, Fire Department Number 1, which is the one in East Lansing, not the one on campus. The believe the one on campus is maintained by MSU. Ah, there might have been one more building that was going to receive renovations. The Hanna Center one was also to redo the third floor and allow for more activities to take place there. There was some money that was going to go toward helping homeowners prevent flooding or at least mitigate the effects of flooding. Mm -hmm. And people really should, uh, if you're interested, to weigh in um, because I think they have I mean, I might be wrong on the dates, but I think East Lansing has a couple of years before they have to spend all of the money too. Like they have to have a plan and then I think they have a couple of years until the money has to be spent. That's correct. I think they have to earmark it or direct it mm-hmm. a certain way by 
2024 and the money has to be spent by 2026. So there has to be some preliminary planning right now because I know they're afraid that you know, everyone, every municipality, every state has received this money. So they're afraid of like a rush on architectural and construction firms. Mm -hmm. But they do have time and there is time for feedback. Yeah, so definitely. I mean, city council tends to be under attended um, also. So if you want to be involved, have an idea, like they said they would listen. So bring it forward. There's a couple of years before it has to be earmarked. Right. And I think another thing our listeners will want to hear in the last two minutes we have is it looks like Albert Alfresco might make a return. Um, So for (laughs) those who don't know, Albert Alfresco is ran on Albert Avenue, unsurprisingly, given its name from M. AC to Abbott Road and the street was closed to traffic. There was seating, there was hammocks, and it was extremely popular and beloved by the community. There was a presentation made at council by staff member Adam Cummins, who organized this and was kind of, it was his baby, this whole project. And the survey results, I think, showed like, was it 98% of people were satisfied or highly satisfied? It was, yeah, it was definitely... (laughs) In the 90s, and I'm pretty sure it was 98%, which just speaks to how popular it was. It closed in August as the students were about to return, and there was some frustration on the part of, you know, year-round residents that this had to end because of the students. They discussed at council last week about when it might be appropriate to open it. Should it be April? Should it be May? How long should it run? Should it run into... September, October, but more or less, it seemed like this will return, as well as other outdoor activities and place making projects as well. Yeah, I feel like Adam Cummins is one of the heroes in East Lansing of the pandemic, for sure. You know, from various commission meetings I've sat in on and others have sat in on, like, it seems the city only has nice things to say about all the work he's put into kind of these outdoor spaces. So, you know, I look forward to what's going to come next, I guess, with placemaking. Right, because there's that nice art installation under the multicolored parking lot. Mm -hmm. There is also the alley near Campbell's Market has outdoor seating now. So we'll see more of that to come, but that's all the time we had. Thank you for listening to our news roundup, and we hope you tune in next week. Thank you. East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.